Hey everyone, it's Aaron, and welcome to this week's episode of The Gathering Podcast. This month, we're focusing on spiritual disciplines that can help you experience the abundant life that Jesus promised. This won't be the last time we talk about spiritual disciplines on this podcast, but this will be the last one in this series. In this episode, Peter and I discuss one of the most important spiritual disciplines, Sabbath, also known as rest. For all our overachievers out there, we hope this podcast inspires you to take a pause, take a break, and reevaluate your posture towards work, towards rest, and towards control. The first voice you're going to hear from is Peter. Let's dive in. culture that glorifies work and rest is a difficult topic. I'm not even sure that the culture really understands what real rest is. Yeah. You know, rest for most people is sleep or maybe some people would say the occasional vacation, but that's not a biblical sense of rest. It's connected, but it's not the same. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Cause yeah, I have clients all the time that they come back from vacation and they're stressed out and mm. they're catching up and they're like, I need to take a vacation from my vacation. So it's like this concept of like going to Cancun on a beach and yeah. sipping margaritas. That's not actually <laughs> rest that we're talking about here. And it's not just Netflix on a Saturday and That's chilling true. and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. There's a deeper sense of rest. So I'm excited to kind of dive in with that. Where would you like to start? Well, let's let's just first talk about what you need rest from. Yeah. And so I think we're going to find this in the biblical story as we start to talk a little bit. There's stuff that's happening on the surface, and right below that is some sort of spiritual truth. And so when we say, well, what do we need rest from? Well, you need rest from work. And that is true. You do need to like literally rest from working. But it's not just resting from work for the sake of resting from work. There's a spiritual truth underneath that, just like there's a spiritual truth under the call to work. So maybe let's just talk a little bit about work, and then that will help set up the stage for what we need to rest from. Yeah, so why is it important that we work, Aaron? Well, we're called to work. On the first pages of the Bible, God creates Adam and Eve and gives them the gift of stewardship over creation. He says, you're going to tend and to keep the land. Mm. We are made in the image of the creator. And I think it's important that when we're made in the image of the creator, we are made in the image of the creator during a creation narrative. We're made in the image of the person who just created everything, and we're now called to be fruitful and multiply and to tend the ground and to keep it. So we're called to work. It's a divine calling and gift. Yeah, and I was telling you earlier what's interesting. One of my favorite books on work is called Every Good Endeavor mm-hmm. by Tim, yeah, Tim Keller. Keller yeah. And he makes the connection where if you actually look at a lot of ancient religions and other beliefs, most creation stories have nothing to do with work. Mm. They're like some sort of war or some kind of cosmic battle. And then man came out of that. And what's interesting too, is that a lot of the ideas of heaven or the gods are sort of like this eternal state of leisure. So imagine like the Greek gods on the top of Mount Olympus, like eating those grapes, like they're not really working. It's like all the philosophers, it was for the slaves to work. That's exactly right. That's for, you know, and that's been most creation narratives. 
gods don't want to do the work. Yeah. So they make poor humans. Yeah. And humans get to slave away yeah. and do all the things the gods don't want to do. And it kind of looks a lot like the relationship between a king and a bunch of slaves. Yeah. Which is which dominated most civilizations for the majority of human history. And even with like just simple things like how you know, even look at Song of Solomon and how she's like ashamed of her dark skin because she was out working. Mm, so yeah, like, there you, go. you know, like it's common still today in certain cultures. It's looked down on that mm-hmm. you're out working and mm-hmm. it's seen as good if you are able to not work. For sure. Right? Whether it's a representation of wealth or whatever it is, but this concept of like I don't have to work. Mhm is like a big deal, a big deal. Yes. Even today, I want to be independently wealthy. You hear that a lot. I don't want to have to work. I want to do what I want to do. Well, I think the point is the fact that God worked yeah, and that's unique. And to think that the creator, the all powerful, all knowing God is someone that work was not below him. He worked and he created work is awesome. Yeah. Right. It's actually, it's an interesting perversion of the concept of work to think that it's somehow not a good thing. Yeah. You know? So I think first and foremost, I think this whole conversation to this point is, is really making the point that we are supposed to work yeah. and work is a gift and work is a good thing, but work can manipulate you and you can, if you're not careful, become enslaved to work. Oh yeah. So we're going to get super meta for a second. <laughs> um, hopefully we, we all, we all keep on track. We're going to get super meta for a second. When the biblical story was was written by the authors, God inspired the authors to write this down. For the most of the Old Testament, and largely the New, people lived in what we would call an agrarian society. We farmed. Yeah. You farm, you grow food, you eat food. Your work is directly related to the production of the thing you need to survive. There were some merchants where... They would actually go and buy and sell goods and they'd sell those in the marketplaces and that's how they made a living. But for most everybody else, you, you grew food. Yeah. Or like blacksmith, basket maker. Yeah. I mean, if you look, that's right. If you look at the Abraham narratives, they weren't even farmers. They were nomads. Yeah. They, they moved with the seasons and they took from the ground what they needed. And so work from a most basic level, work is a means of survival. When you work, the fruit of your work is food. Now, we're a little disconnected from that nowadays. Yeah. Because we all work in highly specialized jobs that are part of a highly specialized field that's part of a highly specialized economy. And I go and I earn income from somebody and I take that income and I go and I pay somebody else who's highly specialized in building homes or lending out mortgages to buy homes in order to have a home. And then I go to the grocery store and I buy food and they bought that from a collective that worked with farmers that actually grew food. And most farms now are like multi, multi multi-region, multi-state corporations, you know, but the essence is still the same work equals survival. And I actually think that's one of the things about when work starts to manipulate you, Mm. And when work starts to enslave you, where you're toiling in the ground, that is where actually purpose and work are divorced from one another. Mm. So when we live in a society like today, it becomes very easy to become sort of disconnected from why you work. 
We work for survival. We work for food. We work for, we work for a home. We work to live. But when there's all these compounding requirements on you, there's lots of areas in which um, you can become anxious and worried and we confuse work as the solution. As an example, I've got a mortgage due for the next 25 years. I need to pay for college for my kids. What if there's a disaster? What if my wife gets laid off? What if I get laid off? What if my career field starts to shift and change because of artificial intelligence? It's very easy for us to think of all of these scenarios that could threaten work. Mm. And our solution is just to do it more. If I work longer, I get more done. If I work harder, I get more promotions. If I work more hours, I make more money. And we believe that we are somehow controlling Mm. all of those threats out yeah. there so that we can survive. It's it's not as clear as I work, therefore I make food, right? There's just there's just so many things that we think if we work more, we can solve. Yeah. Whereas in an agricultural society, there were existential threats. The rain could not come. There could be a wildfire, but I have nothing to do con- to control that. And so nowadays, I, I like to think of it as the illusion of control. Work is a way for us to create an illusion of control over all of our external circumstances. And when that happens, we're now disconnected from the true purpose of work, which is to provide for our family, to find fulfillment, you know, and it becomes an exercise of being on a hamster wheel. Mm. And it happens to all of us. We've all been in that position before. Yeah, we have. And I see it a lot in my work coaching clients, I feel like there's so many people that they have all these goals or things they're attaining for, and they don't really know why they're Mm. just kind of, they, they have this sort of feeling of, I've got to do more and more, 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 more. And there's also this aspect where it's like with control. Yep. I think, you know, first time I saw that was this idea of security. I think like our culture is like, Yes, I've got to have a 401k. I've got to have this and that so that I can be secure. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is that, you know, in a moment we can have economic crisis. We can have something like COVID that just totally wipes out. People lose hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars just in an instant Mm -hmm. when something uncontrollable happens. Right. It's like you could have worked your whole life to have this thing of security where I'm sort of in control. I've got all these different insurances. Yeah. You know, so it's like, man, like you could work your whole life to death trying to worship this idea of security and control. Absolutely. And it can all be ripped out. That's why we call it the illusion of control. Yeah. Every five years, a currency fails somewhere. Yeah. You know, so you're like, I have a 401k. You're like, well, I'm sorry. The value of the currency in which that 401k is valued. We don't have that currency anymore. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I have no more 401k. So many uncontrollables. There's so many uncontrollables. And, that, and that's the problem is that work work is our default avenue towards creating a sense of control. And that is where rest comes in because rest addresses the illusion of control. surrendering 
it's surrendering. And God models this just as God models work on the seventh day. He rests. He orders the Israelites. He commands them to rest. Sabbath was one of the first 10 commands. Yeah. And if you look at the word count, Uh (laughs) it gets more words than any other commandment because it explains it. And it changes too. When the the two, when you hear it in Exodus and Deuteronomy, Uh it changes. So in Exodus, it's all about freedom from Egypt. You used to be slaves and rest is like this idea of I'm celebrating that I'm free. I don't have to work all the time. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And that's interesting. God's like, don't have any other gods, don't murder other people, and make sure you keep the Sabbath holy. You're like, that really ended up in the yeah. in the same category? And and yeah, you know, so here, I've, I've actually got it here from Exodus uh, chapter 20, verse 8 through 10. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or your female or male servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. And so one wonders why God makes it such a big deal to emphasize rest. And I think it's pretty clear that when we when we look at, like if I was to look at the addictions in society, I mean, certainly there's a pharmaceutical drug addiction out there. There's an alcohol addiction out there. There's a, there's a nicotine addiction out there. There's drug addiction out there. There's food addiction out there. There is no greater addiction in this country than work. Yeah. And that overworking mentality is connected to this illusion of control. And I think it really erodes at society. It erodes at the human and God makes it a big priority by modeling it Mm. during the creation narrative and commanding it of his people from the beginning of the storyline of the Bible all the way to today. I would think too, Aaron, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but like aside from the illusion of control, it's also a a seeking of purpose and identity. Mm. So I think that's as equally as destructive looking for work is like, this is like we said, there there's purpose to it and we need purpose in life, Right. but that disconnected from our faith in the Lord can become an idol in itself, trying to find an identity through our work. Yeah, I think everyone is looking for survival in trying to get the thing that they desire most. Mm. For many people, it is a lack of threat. They want to be safe. Yeah. But for other people, it's a sense of admiration from others. Yeah. For others, it's an internal sense of accomplishment, but a misplaced sense of accomplishment. And work tends to be at least initially, it feels like a productive way to move towards the satisfaction of those needs, mm. but they're misplaced. But I think, I think above all, um, it really gets down to just survival. And so God addresses this, and he addresses it physically. And so this is what I think is important, is, is that we may not live as symbolic a life as the Israelites. You know, the stars in the sky were to mark the seasons yeah. and the days. They had very strict schedules that aligned with festivals, harvest festivals, planting festivals, first fruit festivals. There were festivals around the agricultural seasons. We don't really have seasons anymore. Yeah. We don't even have a work day. In the past, 
when you had to light everything by oil lamp, if you even had that, the day ended when the sun went down. Yeah. I can work 24 hours a day now if I want to. Yeah. There are many companies that are open 24 hours a day. We have light and electricity. We no longer have to surrender to the daily cycle. We don't have to grow food in the seasons anymore. We can grow oranges all the time. They may not taste the best, but we can grow them all the time. We can import bananas all around the world from the equator. And so we're not beholden to seasons anymore. We're not beholden to the day. And because we're not beholden to seasons and because we're so specialized in our work, you take a vacation in September, I take a vacation in May. And the problem is when we all take vacation at different times, everyone always is working when we're not, and it pulls on you. You're constantly Mm. being pulled back to work. The Israelites were like, nope, one day a week, nobody works. This week in the season, nobody works. For this this month or this year with the Jubilee, everybody stops. They didn't just work together. They also rested together. And the physical embodiment of rest, those rhythms, those rituals, those that physical embodiment of rest continued to point them back to the spiritual truth underlying the need and importance of rest. What is that truth? <laughs> The truth is that we're not in control. Yeah. I've meditated on Sabbath. You know, one of the things, as funny as it sounds, so Chick-fil-A yeah, obviously is not open on Sunday. Looking at Chick-fil-A from the outside, and I was like, man, look at how successful this company is. Mm-hmm. Imagine if they were open on Sunday. <laughs> Imagine how much more money they would make if they were open on Sunday. Yeah. And Chick-fil-A is not open 24-7. Yeah. Imagine... Aaron, how mm-hmm. successful Chick-fil-A would be if it was open 24-7. Right. So it's like, that's what we would think. But the reality is like, Chick-fil-A is doing way better than some of these other companies that are 24-7. And the thing is, it's like with the Israelites, they had to literally shut their gates to their cities. Mm-hmm. And there were other people, other cultures that worked on the Sabbath. That's right. And they were there ready to trade. They're mm-hmm. basically, here's our money. let us in your gates so we can give you money. And Israelites had to say, no, there is free opportunity. There is success. There's money. There's all this stuff coming and we have to shut the gates and cease. Mm -hmm. And that takes so much release of control, right? Mm -hmm. Surrender. Mm -hmm. You're saying, okay, Lord, I could take control here. And hey, it's just a few of them. Let's let's just let them in. You know, they're already here anyways. Mm-hmm. We don't want to close the gate on them. Mm-hmm. And it's going to help out. It's going to mm-hmm. make things better. Mm-hmm. But God says, no, like, trust me. I will provide. That's right. The, the surrender or sacrifice that's required in a position of rest helps to reinforce a posture of letting go of control. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I know you have a mortgage you have to take care of. I know you've got, you know, college funds that you need to save for your kids. I know that sometimes money is tight, but truly the Lord is in control. And if the Lord is in control and you trust the Lord, then you know that he's going to provide you with what you need. He doesn't require you to work yourself to the bone. That's a very hard truth for us to reconcile, but we practice and exercise that muscle when we take Sunday off, when we take off the harvest festival week, or in a modern context, 
when we set the computer down at 5 p.m. at night, when we take our weekends, when we take a vacation with the family, you know, at a reasonable interval, these are the, the physical things that we can do that exercises like, all right, Lord, I'm going to leave the work at home. I'm going to set it down because you're in control. Yeah, it's an exercise of, of trust absolutely. that leads to freedom. And you That's see this in right. some other disciplines. And I just want to touch on this because I think it has shed light in my life and to better understand rest is something like a tithe or something like a first fruit offering. Because mm-hmm. if you think of the first fruit, it's the first one. So if you were uh, Israelite in agrarian culture and you had your first calf from this cow or this first lamb mm-hmm. from this sheep, you would sacrifice the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of the other lambs that are going to come out are going to survive, right? Or if I had 10 days of harvest and I harvest the first day, I would tithe first fruit that first day of harvest. Mm-hmm. I don't know if a storm is going to roll through. I don't know if raiders are going to come take everything else. Yep. It's the same thing in the modern context where like it's an exercise of trust because yeah. you're saying, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to have enough, mm-hmm. but I'm giving to you anyways as a sign that I trust you. So similar with rest, it's like, I could work more and I suffer from this a lot. Yeah. I'm self-employed. I'm 1099. Mm-hmm. I can work all the stinking time. I can put in all the hours I want and I can make more and more and more and more money. Yeah. But it's like, I have to cease. And when I cease, it's me saying, okay, I trust that it's going to be okay. And it's not always, you know, like just to make ends meet. You know, I'm not struggling to pay my bills anymore, but for some reason there's this addiction to it. Yep. It's like, I have more than enough than I need to pay my bills, mm. but I still have this feeling like I've got to work. I think it's important to actually lay out just exactly what the stakes here are. This is why the Sabbath was so high up on the list. When we don't rest, what we're saying is, I do not trust you, Lord. Yeah. You're not going to provide for me. I have to provide for myself. Yeah. And even if you don't believe that, your actions speak to what you believe. So if there's people listening, they're like, I have a really hard time laying down. It's like, yeah, because you have a hard time trusting the Lord. Amen. That's it. That's it. And that's the stakes of why the discipline of rest is so important. And it's truly a discipline because it's very difficult to do. Yeah. And what's crazy is like, Yes, this is a command in the Bible, but I also love when like studies <laughs> and real life prove it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, That's I don't true. know the, the numbers on this. I should have looked up the specifics, but there's this law of diminishing return. The more hours you work after 40 hours. Mm-hmm. So it's like working 80 hours is not doubly as productive as 40. <laughs> it's definitely not. <laughs> it's yeah. just like a little bit more productive. Yeah. So it's like, I could work twice as long. Talk to me at 430 in the afternoon. It's not the same as if you talk to me at 9 a.m. Exactly. A lot of people I coach are in sales. Mm -hmm. They're entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. They have some sort of a flexible schedule. And one of the biggest things that's been so cool, transformative that I've seen in the lives of clients is a boundary, right? If you can work all the time, then you're not focused at your work. Your work will fill the time that you've allotted to it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if, if someone is like, oh, I could always do this later, then they're constantly working and they're not ending. And I've found over and over again, when I take a client that's been working like 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day, oh, wow. and they cut off at a certain time, and they have a start and stop time in their day, they're as efficient, yeah. or if not getting more done yeah. in the time that they've allotted, and then they're free at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Versus this, because it's so funny to watch, because you see someone's fear of letting go. 
Because they're like, Absolutely. no, Peter, I can't stop at that time. I might actually, like, they, they wouldn't verbalize this, but they're almost like, I might actually die because I'm not going to survive. I yeah. won't have enough. Yeah. Or if we don't have hope that things are going to be okay because the Lord's going to come through for us, and we try to take that burden on ourselves, it leads to anxiety. It leads to anxiousness. It leads to worry. It leads to hurry. It leads to all this negative fruit. Yeah. Because when I have that perspective, I'm trying to solve for all these problems. And really it's the anxiety and the worry that is driving me. That's the that's the taskmaster that's whipping you to keep going. Like you better work or things aren't gonna work out for you. And then we just these these become well worn grooves in our actual brain matter. And so the longer that we don't trust, the longer we go without resting, the more accustomed we become to thinking that way. And we actually have to like, we actually have to start taking physical steps to rewire how we're yeah. thinking, which is that's the, that's the forced rest. And here's the thing is for those that like maybe don't want to rest. And this has happened to me too. If you don't rest, nature will catch up with you. Oh yeah. You, you will rest, oh, yeah. but it's not going to be when it's convenient. It's, it's not going to be as enjoyable and honestly is best for you or your family, but you will rest. Your yep. body will shut down. Yep. I, I always tell clients, you're either going to plan a break or you're going to take a break. <laughs> That's right. But I think, uh, um, what it comes back to is going back to Genesis, uh-huh. you rest because it was finished and we're living in this state of it being done and finished. And if we look at what Christ did on the cross, it is finished our sins are paid for past, present, and future. And that whole idea of trust and and rest is kind of the statement that it's complete, it's finished, I'm full, I'm complete in the Lord. Rest, my child. It's not like this starving, like clawing, treading water, trying to survive. Absolutely. It's like God's done it. I mean, Jesus said... Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. And of course, the yoke was the thing that they placed over the ox to plow the field, right? Like that's an agricultural work device. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm, That's the invitation. And so I think maybe in the next part of the conversation, we can actually talk about how we rest yeah, and what kind of fruit we can see coming from that. Yeah. Application wise, how do we do this? Well, so application wise, I think first and foremost, it's really important to understand the perspective or the spiritual truth behind rest. Rest becomes like, like you said, I could sit down on my couch for three hours and just watch Netflix and tune out. Yeah. I'm not necessarily engaging with rest. I'm just coping. Yeah. Or avoiding. Avoiding. You could sit down and watch a movie and rest. You could sit down and watch Netflix and not rest. There's an intentionality and a perspective that I think- A posture, a heart condition. Exactly. It's a posture and a heart condition. And so I think first and foremost, the posture is, Lord, I am not in control. You are in control. If at any point you feel like your survival is dependent upon your job- you are getting disconnected 
from the spiritual purpose of work and to some extent, even the practical purpose of work. Like, it, is this somehow going to keep you from surviving? You're okay. You work from a place of rest. And so when you're not in control and you recognize that work actually becomes a little bit easier, you don't expend as much energy doing it. And so when you go in Sabbath, you might say, hey, I'm taking off Friday from work and I'm going to go volunteer at the church. You're like, well, is that life-giving? Yeah, cool. You can be productive and Sabbath at the same time. Now, I don't want to confuse, that's not to say that you shouldn't actually literally rest on like a, a Sunday or a Saturday night, like take some time to just let your body recuperate, but you can go and paint. You can go and play Frisbee golf. These these can be productive engagements with friends, productive Yeah, community, with community is a big one. Too. Absolutely. And that's the thing is like Sabbath and rest, it's leaving the toiling yes. and straining at the door and creating margin in your life to engage in all of the other things that bring life. Yeah. And some of that can actually look a little bit like work. Yeah. You know, like we make this podcast. This isn't work to me. Yeah. This is fun. This is a creative thing that we get to do. And, but it's not on my list of like, oh, we got to hang out with Peter tonight. <laughs> we got to talk about this podcast thing. Well, it's like yeah. you said with like painting. It's like if I'm like doing yard work or doing painting in my house because I'm remodeling, like that's work. But it's like I can paint for fun, mm-hmm. right? And I can kind of explore this artistic side and that can be enjoyable, Absolutely. right? It can be a similar activity, mm. but like you said, it's that mindset and that posture. And that's how, where you said, if you work from a place of rest, it's like, if I'm working for my very survival, I have to control these things. I see this in my job all the time, right? In sales, in in coaching, it's like, sometimes I feel like I've got to control the outcomes. Yes. And that's when I f- really feel weighted and exhausted. And when I come into a coaching call with a client and I don't know how it's going to happen, I'm just present with them. I'm listening. I'm being fully engaged. It's like, I'm not stressed about like how this outcome is going to be. I'm here to serve this client. Like that's life-giving. I can have eight calls back to back all day and be like, whew, because I'm not controlling. I'm not trying to adjust the outcome. So, and just to be clear, like that doesn't say, oh, the Sabbath in the Bible is speaking just about this spirit of rest, and I can rest at work. I think there's something very unique and specific about ceasing. You definitely need to take vacations. You need to take time off every single week from all work. You need yes. to do those things. Yes. And actually, we'll talk a little bit about rituals in a second, but you had mentioned it can be a little esoteric to talk about the spirit and the purpose behind rest. So let's just talk about a couple items where these are signs that you are not in rest. Mm. You are overly concerned about outcomes. Yeah. If you're overly concerned about how the outcome of something will happen, you are leaning into, I must control the outcome and you will, you will give your loyalty over to whatever you have to do at any sacrifice in order to control that outcome. So if you find yourself very anxious or stressed about the future and that you're not doing enough in the present to control the future, that is a good sign. You're not operating from a place of rest. Another sign can be when you sit down at work, you can feel 
the stress and anxiousness enter your body. You feel frustrated. You feel tension in your shoulders. You feel the physical signs of like your heart might be racing. Like you, you sit down at work and there's a physiological change. There's a good chance you're not operating from a place of rest. If you're worried that you're going to lose your job, overly worried about disappointing your boss or your coworkers, you're afraid of what people are going to think about you at work. If you mess up this one thing, you're probably not operating from a place of rest. And this is the hardest part of this portion. There are a lot of people in jobs they shouldn't be in because of a desire to control and to manage and to make sure they survive. I'll give you a quick example. There's a guy named Patrick Lencioni. He's written a number of books, one of them being The Five Habits of a Dysfunctional Team. Hmm. You just think about like your workplace, workplaces that are toxic, workplaces that are unhealthy. You know, he's done a lot of studies on this. He's a really smart guy. I heard him speak one time. He said, my father would have been a better dad if he had had a better boss. The point is, there is a chance you work in an environment where your boss is in an unhealthy place with work. You yeah. know? And so, so a lot of people are going to end up working in a secular environment, and especially places like Google, Facebook, Apple. I mean, these places really drive you to work a lot of hours. You may work for a boss that demonstrates that, lives that, and asks that of you. And you're like, well, if I don't put in 60 hours, I probably will lose my job. That is not the job the Lord wants you in. Absolutely not. No way. If you have to sacrifice your body, you have to sacrifice your health, if you have to sacrifice your spirit, if you have to sacrifice your family for work, and it's truly not something that you're doing out of compulsion, but something that's laid upon you, you need to find a new job. Because if you can't rest because of external requirements, the company you belong to has an inappropriate understanding of their level of control in the world. Yeah. And it's Egypt and they're enslaving you in pursuit of whatever goals that company has. Yeah. And the Lord's like, you need to get out of there. I'm not kidding at all. If you work at a company that will, that does not honor, even come close to honoring your ability to take time, to take rest, that, that, that doesn't require from you, you know, that 60 hours a week, you're in the wrong line of work. And I can guarantee you the Lord has something better for you, even if it's at a lower salary even if it's at the cost of a promotion. That's the discipline of rest. And I think the beauty in all this is that God wants to give us this now, right? There's this, if you've heard of the concept of FIRE, financial independence, retire early. It's got really popular. <laughs> Sounds it was like, it's totally a coaching term yeah, right there. I mean, it was like, it got really popular where people would like work super hard in their 30s and like live in some tiny apartment so that they could retire at like age 40 and have everything they need. Uh-huh. And it was like this whole idea of like, I've got to grind and like just work it out so that I can be free, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And What's crazy is sounds like, like indentured servitude. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's interesting. But God says, no, like have that this weekend. Right. Have that this evening. Like I want you to have that rest mm. and that completeness and that being satiated in 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 your life and your purpose. And that's that thing, is it doesn't even if you're like you said, absolutely, if you're being pressured by your job, it's like that's unhealthy get out of there but i have experienced it where it's me 
I think honestly, most of the time it is you. Yeah. There are definitely jobs out there that do require that of you. And I'm like, you got to get out of there. Find, find a work that respects work-life boundaries. But most of the time it is us. It's self-inflicted. And here's my testimony on this. When I went to the Philippines to work with my parents as a missionary, I brought a bunch of books with me because I was like, yes, I'm going to finally read. I'm going to take things slow. <laughs> and it was like, I got there and I filled my schedule. And the second six months I was there, my parents were actually here in America on furlough. And I had so many ministry opportunities. It was like stuff every single night. I was telling my dad, he was like, son, like, there's always going to be more things. That's right. You have to say no and stop. I am a human. Like, I'm not God. I'm not going to save the world. I had to cease mm. and trust that, like, this is not me. Yeah. You can be a stay-at-home mom and be in this situation. You're like, I need to take my kids to these 17 activities oh, or yeah. they're not going to be successful in life. Late and eights. they're going to be 25 and not have the opportunities that they need. And he's like, well, you actually can't control that either. Yeah. Right. You can influence it. You can be faithful to do your best, but we don't have to give literally every ounce of the cup. Like he's going to show up in the gaps, right? I mean, this is, he's for us. So I think there, there's some physical embodiments we can do to reinforce that posture. One of them is being in the right job. One of them is setting boundaries with our job. Yep. One of them is taking regular vacations, not just a long weekend. Take at least one full week off. Leave on a weekend and return on the next weekend. Take a full week off, right? There's numbers of festivals that the Israelites participated in that were a full week. It was like, we're just not going to work this whole week. Make sure you're taking time off for holidays. If you can come up with a weekly rhythm, you know, say, hey, I'll, I'll do housework on Saturdays, but after church on Sundays, we're going to hang out as a family, just in the home. I'm going to go hang out with friends at the beach. You consistently carve out some time that allows you to rest. It could even be on a weeknight, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Find something that gives you energy and commit to doing that every week. And these are the rituals that help us know if we are spiritually aligned or not. If you're breaking the ritual all the time, that's, again, a good indicator that you're letting go of the whole purpose behind the posture Anyhow, right? So rituals are like timekeepers. They're accountability functions. There is a fruit that comes from having a posture of rest. There's a fruit from having a discipline of Sabbath, and it's the fruit of the Spirit. If you have a posture of letting go and letting God have control, surrendering to God, it gives you margin in your life mm. to love people. Yeah. The release of anxiety allows you to experience true joy. If you have faith and trust that God is in control and not you, it gives you peace. It means that we get done what we can, we're productive, but we're not slaves to our to-do list. Yeah, And we know that God has given us the time that we need so that we can be patient mm. with one another. I have to rush to this meeting. I need to go right now. And you're holding me up, Peter. Yeah. You're like, no, God's got enough time. Like, yeah. it's going to be okay, and we can be patient. How many of us as parents are impatient with our kids because we got somewhere to be and we got something to do? Oh, yeah. Now, and when you're not trying to hold the whole world up, it allows you to be present and to be kind when we aren't anxious and stressed and angry. It allows us to be gentle. 
it takes a little self-control to be disciplined, to say no to certain things and to shut it off at the end of the day. And truly, like, I think one of the best ways you're like, I don't know how much of the fruit of the spirit I'm actually bearing in my life. I don't know how much of the fruit of the spirit that I really see evidence in my life. Let go of the worry and the hurry and the anxiety and the stress by letting go of control. And one of the best ways you can physically do that is by resting from your work and actually respecting work for what it is, enjoying work for what it is, and letting rest be as high of a priority in your life as it is in God's. Yeah. You know? That's awesome, Aaron. I love how you said margin. I think that's such a cool way that I've seen to look at time. It's Mm. like, same in your budget. You wouldn't fill all of your income with bills to where every single dollar that comes in, you're paying bills for. Fair enough. Your time, you need margin. Yep. And I just want to kind of finish with a couple suggested readings. That's great. <laughs> if this is something that's interesting to you, I mentioned Every Good Endeavor by Timothy Keller. That's a great one. Counterfeit Gods is about idolatry and mm-hmm. it can help. It's not directly related to work, but it's how we can use things like work mm-hmm. to become an idol in our life. Mm-hmm. The other ones, John Mark Comer has Garden City, which yeah. is specifically about Sabbath. Yeah. His other yes. pair, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Recommend that And one. Uh, Jefferson Bethke did one, To Hell with the Hustle. That's and if you're not one, yeah. a big book reader and you just want to get like the, the quickest, easiest, how do I get the short condensed version, Peter? John Mark Comer and Jefferson Bethke teamed up on a podcast called Fight, Hustle, and Hurry. Great place to start. Awesome. But yeah, this was fun, Aaron. Yeah. The Discipline of Rest. It's one of the hardest disciplines to do successfully and to be consistent on. Even harder than reading your Bible. Amen. Even harder than fasting. But you'll see great fruit out of it if you try. Yeah. It's been the hardest thing for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. The world is always going to be telling you, you need to work harder. You need to work faster. You need to work more. But we know that the world oftentimes lies to us. Yeah. Yeah. So this episode's over. Take a break and do something that makes your heart say yes. Amen. We'll see you soon.